There was all of that ARPA money, free, so-called free. There's no such thing as government-funded. It's all taxpayer-funded. But billions of dollars that Governor Evers is getting in many states, the legislature has appropriations authority over that money. In the state of Wisconsin, we sadly do not, which means Tony Evers can spend $2.5 billion in any shape or form that he wants without any input from us whatsoever. And all we have to do is look at what's happened the last six months to realize he's not even interested in meeting with us about it. I'm Jen O'Brien. And I'm Bill Fian. And this is another episode of Fact Check. So today's guest is John Mako. He represents Wisconsin's 88th Assembly District and is the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, which determines tax policy. John was born and raised in the Green Bay area. He came from humble beginnings, growing up with six siblings in a 1,200-square-foot house. That's a lot. He established two successful businesses, both of which are still owned and operated by family members. Prior to his election to the State Assembly, John served on the executive board for Old Main Street, was uh, active with Downtown Green Bay, Inc., and served as both elder and deacon at his church, Central Church Green Bay. John is currently a member of the Wisconsin Wing Civil Air Patrol Legislative Squadron. He holds the rank of major. He enjoys outdoor activities, including diving, cycling, flying, skiing, and gardening. Sadly, his wife, Susan, passed away earlier this year from a long battle with cancer. You certainly have our deepest sympathies. And we are so glad that you joined us on the Fact Check program today. John Mako. Thanks, Jen. Welcome, John. I met John back in 2012 when I ran for the Wisconsin State Senate. And we've maintained a relationship since then. And I just have a tremendous amount of respect for John and his experience and the work that he's doing in Madison. And I want to express my sympathy for the loss of your wonderful wife, Susan. You haven't let that slow you down. Uh, You've continued to do a lot of good work for the people of Wisconsin. And so one of the things I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about Governor Evers vetoed a bill that would have ended the personal property tax in Wisconsin. He did that back on July 9th. And first of all, I think we have to explain to people, what is the personal property tax? Yeah, I, that's a smart idea, Bill. And and I don't mean this to sound sophomoric, so I apologize. So let's just take back. I mean, everybody knows what property tax is. That's the tax on your, on your real estate. But going back, the day, there was a, a, a property tax on all your property, all your stuff, on everybody. Even regular, ordinary citizens would be assessed a tax on their sofa and their chair and their kitchen table and their refrigerator. And the, and that was before my day, but uh, you know they quickly realized that that was a, a little nutty, and so they eliminated that slowly but surely uh, from individuals. But it has never gone away for businesses. So if you're a small business owner like you are, Bill. Um, you know, you, you continue to pay uh, property tax. I think it's also significant to make sure that the uh, audience re- remembers who levies the property tax and what is it for. And so all property tax, whether it's real estate property tax or personal property tax, is levied at the local level. We don't do that in Madison. Um, and it goes to pay for local services. So it's levied by your school district. It's levied by your counties and your cities and your towns. Um, and uh, that in, in technical schools, and that who's, that's who levies that. Um, what personal property tax is, it's, it's about $200 million now. We've been slowly, slowly but surely whittling it down, uh, but $200 million is still a lot of money. Uh, and for us to eliminate that at the state level is hard because you're sitting in La Crosse, and I don't know what the uh, revenues are from the personal property tax in La Crosse, but it's 
it's millions. And so there has to be a way to backfill that for local uh, folks because um, local towns and, and cities have a tough enough time as it is. So we didn't want to uh, simply um, eliminate the tax without coming up with a way to backfill it. And so there was five of us that got together. And we, got, we, we knew we were running surpluses. Uh, by the way, thanks, Jen, for the, the cool uh, intro. I wonder if my mom must have wrote that for you. But, um, <laughs> um, but the one, one thing that's not on there, um, and it is significant, is that I'm also chairman of the Budget and Revenue and State and Local Tax Task Force for the National Council of State Legislators. So I get to see on a national level what tax policy looks like and how it functions in quality states like the Carolinas or Utah or uh, uh, Texas, uh, uh, Tennessee, and, 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 and uh, how we try to emulate uh, some of those things. And they do not have uh, a personal property tax. But as we were looking at those numbers, we knew we were going to start running. We knew because of, and this doesn't happen by accident, and you know that, you guys, um, the state of Wisconsin is a well-run organization. Um, contrary to what you see on a federal level, uh, we are uh, running surpluses. We, are, we have less debt than we had 10 years ago. Uh, we are moving in a quality direction, and I'm very, very proud to represent the state of Wisconsin when I'm at some of those national events. And so when we had this surplus, surpluses are what, you guys? It's excess taxation. It is money above and beyond what we've already budgeted. And, and so we sat and we looked at it and go, aha, what a great opportunity for us to go ahead and back, to eliminate a very, very silly and punitive tax, the personal property tax, that affects all small businesses. And is a drain on the counties, by the way, because the county tax uh, uh, treasurer sends out those bills. And some of them are literally, you guys, less than $10. It costs them more to process than it does to, send, than, than to collect from the bill. And, so, and then businesses have to keep track of that and then remit that. It's just crazy. So we looked at our big surplus and we thought to ourselves, what a great way for us to go ahead and backfill and keep the local communities whole so they can continue to provide the services they need but eliminate a terrible burdensome tax that would be beneficial. And for some crazy reason that only heaven only knows, uh, Governor Evers decided to veto that. Well, I have to say that as a business owner, and I started my first small business when I was 27 years old, new businesses struggle to become profitable. It's not not uncommon for a small business to go four or five years without turning a profit. And... And so to, to tax people based on, let's say you bought a copier or you've got new carpeting or furniture in your business and to levy a tax on what are business expenses, right? It, yep. To me, it's, it's just crazy. And it's part of an anti-business climate that unfortunately I experienced way too many times when Democrats were in control. You, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, and some of these things are... By the way, that doesn't expire. So we heard testimony from, let's say, trucking companies who have a special dispatch radio in every one of their trucks. And that truck, that, that radio, they might have moved it from truck to truck to truck. And that, that radio could be 10 years old. And they are still paying a property tax on that particular radio. But, you know, we shouldn't be surprised, Bill. What was the very first thing that Tony Evers did in his first week in office? The very first thing he did. He vetoed the tax cut that the Republican legislature passed, right? And even before that. What he did is he went around, this is how silly and punitive uh, and, and, and uh, lack of rudder uh, the current administration is. The first thing they did, they felt it was really important to go around and take down 
the open for business signs off of the Welcome to Wisconsin uh, uh, banners that are at the at our borders. Take them down. And you know what he replaced the open to Wisconsin, uh, open for business signs? He put his name there instead. You'll remember I, I wrote a piece on it saying, I hope this is not a bellwether of where he plans on taking the state. And sadly it is because it is ironic, and I am not making this up. Go back into the archives and look it up. I wanted to get one of those signs. I said, well, okay, great. Where are they? Because I want one for my office. So I called the Department of Transportation, and they had cut them in half, flipped them around, and made detour signs out of them. Now, that sounds like I'm making that up, but that is exactly what they did. They literally took the open for business signs down, sliced them in half, and turned them into detour signs for the Department of Transportation. Isn't that ironic? And that is exactly what we see time and time again from this governor. Well, I guess if we were going to write a short story about the relationship between the Republican legislature and our Democrat governor, it would be a story of the legislature writing bills and all too frequently the governor vetoing those bills. So moving to the next uh, topic that I wanted to get to here, we can talk about the bill that the state legislature sent to the governor to reduce the unemployment benefits Right now, there's a federal program that increases the unemployment benefits by $300 a week. Why, why did the legislature try to end those extended benefits? Right. We went in and tried to overturn it. On a federal level, I give Congressman Mike Gallagher a lot of credit because he tried to promote a piece that said, all right, look, I could argue that we shouldn't spend that money at all. But if we're going to spend it, if we're going to give somebody $1,200 a month for not working, and we have unemployment right now in the state of Wisconsin that is almost at a pre-COVID low. Why don't we pay that $1,200 to a person as a bonus for working? So you work a month, you get $1,200. You work another month, we give you another $1,200 for the first two months, rather than paying them the $1,200 a month for sitting home doing nothing. And I thought that was a smart idea. If you're not working right now, it's because you don't want to work. Zero shortage of jobs. When we look at the productivity numbers in the state of Wisconsin, they're through the roof. Um, and it's absolutely ridiculous, and this is exactly what happens. The next governor is going to have to be a governor that understands business because, uh, uh, you know, it's it's jobs in the economy, taxes and spending, and um, and the unemployment issue, and, um, you know, I'm afraid this side of it, you know. Hey, John, let me me just uh, stop you right there because one of the things that I saw I believe it came out of the assembly, was a graph that showed the number of people that are on unemployment in Wisconsin right now. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's about 40 or 50,000 people who are on unemployment right now as opposed to pre-COVID. And and that's basically attributable to the fact that we're paying this extra benefit, right? This is supposed to be a safety net for someone who needs help because of no fault of their own. And that's not at all what this is. This is now paying people to not work. Um, It is uh, bizarre to me, and um, that's why we tried to turn it over. I think we see that continuing. I mean, this governor parrots what the president is doing. Uh, You know, you saw just recently the president, I think, needs to be challenged in court, but extended the moratorium on, on school loan payments and also extended the moratorium on eviction notices. Now, can you imagine if you're a hardworking person sitting there in La Crosse and you scrape together enough money to, let's say, have a duplex, and you got a guy that's living in your duplex who's been getting $1,200 a month for free 
for not working, and he doesn't have to pay his rent, and you can't kick him out. That is exactly what's going on. It's crazy to me. It, it is crazy, John, and the elections of 2022 are going to be defining elections here in La Crosse County, in Wisconsin, and for our nation. And boy, we sure hope people understand what's at stake here. I wanted to just talk briefly, because you're the chairman of Ways and Means, about the state budget and the increase in funding for education, K-12 through education. So we hear a lot of people in education saying it wasn't enough money. Of course, it's never been enough money. It will never be enough money from my perspective. But there was a lot of money that came from the federal level. What was the total increase in spending in education in Wisconsin for this budget, and how did that compare to previous budgets? And this here also is a lie from the pit of hell. When folks sit around and they say those stinking Republicans are not, uh, they're, they're, they're cutting uh, education expense, I challenge them to take a look at it. So there's the, you know what the CAPR is, Bill, the Consolidated Annual Finance Report. And you can look at that every year for the last 10 years. And in every single category, whether it's K through 12, universities, transportation, corrections, you name it, they have had an increase every year. Now, of course, not as much as they want, but an increase nonetheless. In fact, I want to tell you, it's significant to know, Bill, that 10 years ago, our total biannual budget was $63 billion. This year, it was $87 billion. Now, do the math on that. That's $24 billion increase in the last 10 years. 36%. Now, I wonder how many listeners, you know, made $63,000 10 years ago and today they make eighty-seven. because if they did, they had a 36% increase in their income. But I don't know that a lot of people did that. But that is exactly what the state of Wisconsin has spent. We moved up from $63 billion to the last budget we just passed was $87 billion. So no one can tell me we aren't spending enough money. And in the case of K-12, um, you know, we put a, 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 an increase in categorical aids of $100 million. There's many different ways, and it's kind of confusing. I don't want to bore everybody with the details, but $350 million went into a rainy day fund for future education needs. We had to make sure, by the way, that the uh, Biden administration put in this crazy little thing. So, Because in addition to this money that you're asking me about, Bill, there was all of that ARPA money, free, so-called free. There's no such thing as government funded it's all taxpayer funded but billions of dollars that governor evers is getting wasn't it two and a half billion for education in wisconsin it's a staggering number i, I, I didn't bring that chart with me it, it, it's but two it's and a half billion john <laughs> all right i'll take your word for it and and here's the thing we have no control over that in many states the legislature has appropriations authority over that money in the state of wisconsin we sadly do not which means tony evers can spend two and a half billion dollars in any shape or form that he wants without any input from us whatsoever. And all we have to do is look at what's happened the last six months to realize he's not even interested in meeting with us about it. It's important that what we did in the budget, there was a little glitch in there that the, that the Biden administration put in called a maintenance of effort requirement, which meant if you spent, uh, uh, let's say, 10% on education, you had to spend 10% again on education. You couldn't cut it back because he was giving you more money. He had to spend all the money he spent last time and then whatever extra money he gave you. So it was critical that we made sure that we maintained that maintenance of effort level. So let me see if I can put a bow on this for our listeners. Go ahead. 
we increased K through 12 education spending by 600 million in the last two year budget. That was a record. Yeah. In this budget, the state portion increases by over 500 million, and the federal yeah. funds is about two and a half billion. So all yeah. told, about a three billion dollar increase to education, and they still yeah. say it's not enough. So let's let's move on to another subject here. And so I often do this with guests on the show. I ask them if there was one thing that they could accomplish uh, as a legislator, what would that thing be? So I'm going to wave my magic wand and I'm going to make Governor John Mako for a day. What would be your top priority for change in Wisconsin? Well, quite honestly, Bill, I'd like to have that title for four years, but let's talk about what that would be. I think it's jobs in the economy, it's taxes and spending, it's education and health care, it's providing the foundation that we need if we can help enough people get what they need, then, they, then the folks that need help, we can help them. And so that, that's what has to happen. We need more taxpayers and less taxes. And so um, we have to take a look at, uh, we have to stop taxing wealth. We're, right now in the state of Wisconsin, our income tax and our property tax is through the roof. It's detrimental. Many, many people decide to become residents of the state of Florida. Many, many people become residents of the state of Texas, Tennessee, other income tax-free states because our income tax is out of line. We made a great step in moving towards that with this last budget, uh, but we are still way out of line. Our corporate tax is 7.9%. Um, that has to stop. We are taxing wealth creation and uh, in most cases, many people, 25% and more of their total gross check goes just to pay income taxes. Um, that's, that's the number one thing that we have to do. I think we have to figure out how to allow businesses to grow and continue to do what they need to do. Um, we would want to give people continued edu education and healthcare choices. All we have to do is look at what's happened in this last pandemic, and we see charter schools are up 14%. Home schools are up 47%. And what we need to do is allow parents the choice to move their kids to where they need to move to uh, and allow that to happen. And I think it's the same thing with healthcare right now. I don't understand why the state of Wisconsin limits healthcare uh, the way we do. Uh, a, a regular business could never run that way. When Sue was sick, we had the benefit of going to here, Mayo Clinic, uh, we went to Cancer Treatment Centers of America, consulted with the Seattle Cancer Center, and it was because we were able to pay for that. And I don't understand why the rank-and-file people don't have the same access to health care that my wife enjoyed. Um, and I think we need, to, we need to take a look at that. Those sound like some great topics for your next appearance on Fact Check, Representative John Mako. Yeah, okay. <laughs> is that a no i i feel like we just got I, no that was a yes you said okay that's a yes so i've, I've really enjoyed our conversation john you, you bring up a lot of great points and uh and i do hope that you'll come back and join us again all right you guys thanks for talking to me god bless you my friend thanks for being our guest i'm bill fian and i'm jen o'brien and this was another episode of fact check you can join the conversation and engage with us on facebook Join the group Fact Check Wisdom and listen to this podcast everywhere you subscribe to podcasts.